the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, good morning. A lot of you are like, we've had church already. Let's get to the buffet early. Well, we're not through yet. God still has a little bit we want to do, and uh, we're going to try to get you out of here on time today, so just relax. Um, invitation. I don't want to just let that fly by because uh, next Sunday, December 23rd, we're having our official Christmas celebration, and we want you to invite somebody, and let's fill up these purple chairs. And it's not just because so we can say we had numbers. You guys know our heart better than that. Why do we... Why do we care about that empty purple chair right there? Because it represents a life. It represents somebody whose life could be changed. I, can't, I could probably go around this room and ask folks, how did you get here? And you say, well, somebody invited me. And what, and what has happened to your life since they invited you? Well, I gave my heart to Jesus. I got off drugs. I did this. My life turned around. I began to live for, for an eternal purpose. And now my children are doing this. And now future generations in my family will be changed because somebody personally invited me to church. You don't realize the power of inviting somebody to church to invite them into the the home of Jesus. And that's where he wants everybody. This church is open to every lost soul, every hurting person. There's nobody that Jesus doesn't invite Come home. Come home, sinner. Come home, my my wayward prodigal son, prodigal daughter. Come home. Come to me. And see, at this church, we're going to make it all about Jesus. The play is is trying to, to tell you it's all about Jesus. The worship is all about Jesus. In Colossians 1, the Father tells us it's all about Jesus. It was this world was created by Jesus. You were created by Jesus. So we want everybody to find this love. I showed that, that clip. I didn't even really know what the play was about, but I, I always find a reason to show that clip of Jim Carrey's version of the Grinch, you know, when he looks down on Hoosville and he saw that they were still singing and, and even though he had tried to ruin everything and stolen all their presents and stuff. And he's like, oh, this don't make sense. And then it, then it, it dawned on him like it did in our play this morning. Christmas is all about love. It's not about the presence. And and I remember when I came to this church some 20 odd years ago and I gave my heart to Jesus and I realized that Christmas was all about Jesus. I re- I realized that my life was all about Jesus. I realized that everything was about Jesus. When I realized that my heart grew at least three sizes. You see the part in there where the, the Grinch's heart begins to grow? How many? How different is your life? How different is your heart now that you know Jesus than before you knew him? Oh, my goodness. I don't remember the old Grinch that I used to be. Before, it was all about me. But when you give Jesus your heart, it becomes all about 
giving this love away. This love that God has shed abroad in my heart. I just can't, I just want to give it to everybody. And then life takes on a whole brand new meaning, doesn't it? Can I get an amen in here today? How many sizes has your heart grown since you met Jesus? It was pure love born in that manger on that Christmas morning. 1 John 4, 8 says, for God is love. How do you describe God? He's love. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in uh, Isaiah 9, 6, it says, for unto us a child is born. For unto us, do like this, unto me, <laughs> unto me a son is given. Look at your neighbor. Y'all going to have to help me preach today. Look at your neighbor and say, love is for me. Because it is. For, you're part of the world, right? God so loved the world. He just, he loved all over us. <laughs> he sent us Jesus. You know, Adam and Eve... They didn't get out to such a good start. They walked with love in the cool of the evening. Every day, they were hand in hand with love himself. But yet they cho chose, rather, the fruit of this world. And that's what got us in this pickle in the first place. They didn't cho choose love. I guess you could say they broke the rules. Hadn't God warned them, don't eat of that fruit of that tree. Don't get caught up in the fruit of this world. Just keep walking with me. Keep, keep your focus on my love. But they broke the rules. We've been in a series, if, if you hadn't been with us the last couple of weeks, it's called Running to Win. And we've been looking at our lives. How do we run this life? How do we run this race called life with the intent of winning? Well, today's message is called the love rule. And it's a simple message. All of you probably know it already, but you got to remind yourself that we got to play by the rules. And God's rule is the love rule. But you know, all of us have some kind of desire in our heart to run. We all like to win. When we play board games, you know, some of you ain't spoken to your cousin in three years because they beat you in Monopoly. You know, we got to... We got this desire to win at all costs sometimes. We, we like to win. And I remember as a teenager, man, I was running all the time. Me and my friend Hal, we was looking for a deal. We was looking to make some money. We was looking to, for a get-rich-quick scheme. Anything that we could do, we, that we thought was going to get us ahead. And I told this story before, but hey, y'all just going to have to get used to it. I'll tell them again. His dad had two bald old tires, and he said, boys, take that down to the tire shop. And uh, get some money for him. We looked at him like, ain't nobody going to want these bald tires. But we run him down to the, to the tire shop and Vern come out. And I knew it was Vern because it said it right there on his name tag. Stitched in his shirt. And Vern come out. And uh, I said, how's daddy? Or Hal said, my daddy wants you to give him some money for these. And we, we, we was waiting for rejection, you know. But he looked at him. He says, okay, here's five bucks a piece. And our eyes got big. It's like, What? You can make money on old tires. I mean, the wheels was turning. 
get rich quick. <laughs> so we ran that $10 back to his daddy, and we got the keys to his daddy's big dump truck, and we came right back to Vern's tire shop and snuck over there to his dumpster and started throwing all his old dumpster tires in the back of the, to the dump truck. We figure if he's buying back old tires, man, we're going to make a killing. <laughs> I guess it never dawned on us why he threw them in the dumpster in the first place. But, hey, we were going to sell them back. In fact, we went all over Memphis that day. Probably the hardest I ever worked in my life. We went all over Memphis. We hit every tire store and hit their garbage can and began to throw those rubber rejects up into that dump truck. And I'm, we worked so hard, we didn't get back to Burns that afternoon until after dark. And we were as excited, man. I, we're going to be the richest kids in all of Whitehaven. We, you know, $5 was a big deal back in those days. And we had a truck full of $5 bills in our <laughs> intention. So we walked up to Vern. We went and got him, brought him out, you know. And he got that first one down. He started looking. And he looked at the next one. He, then he explained to us the rules about which kind of tires can be retread. And it wasn't the ones that we had. <laughs> See, me and Hal had worked all day. But we hadn't followed the rules. And so, no matter what our good intentions were, doesn't matter how hard you work, if you don't work, if you don't play the game, by the rules. There's rules. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 says that soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of this civilian life. Soldiers ain't out there dumpster diving. For they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they do what? You guys have heard the stories about Olympic athletes and so forth maybe won a gold medal in this and they drug tested them later. What happened? Give me that gold medal back. It don't matter. You may hold the world record. But if you didn't do it by the rules, it doesn't matter. What's the rule? God's love is the rule. God's rule is love. 1 Corinthians 13 Verse 1 says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. My life would be making a lot of noise, but have no effect. Verse 2 says, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be pretty good, better than most. Has anybody got their Bible open? <laughs> is, it, is anybody going to correct me at all? <laughs> I can just say anything up here. You better be careful. No, I would be nothing. Zero. Doesn't matter how much effort I put, how good I preached. How much knowledge I had. How much noise I made. If I gave everything I have to the poor. And even sacrificed my body. I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others. 
I would have gained nothing. Without love, there's nothing to gain. How many times have y'all heard this message? Do we just need to quit? Or do you need to hear it again? Because we lose sight of the important things when we're not paying attention. We get caught up in the trappings of Christmas time. We get caught up in the fruit of this world and we lose sight of the most important thing. I thought Lisa was going to preach my message there when she started talking about Cain and Abel. But I'm going to talk about Cain. Cain offered the fruit of this world to God. And God said, your offering is unacceptable. But like you said, Abel, he brought forth something out of his heart. He brought God a love offering. And it was accepted. Do you know you can plunk your money down in that offering? And, but God loves a cheerful giver. Not someone who does it begrudgingly. If you're having to work it out, if you're just barely letting go of that money when the plate comes by, just hold on to it. God doesn't need it. God's looking for your heart. God's looking for your love. Love does things cheerfully. Love gives cheerfully, right? Love is the rule. Love is the sum of all the commandments. Jesus told us, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul is the greatest commandment. And then he went on, he said, to love your neighbor as yourself is the second one. So all the commandments... If there's no love in it, you can do. You can not commit adultery. You can not steal. You cannot uh, use God's name in vain. All the commandments, you can live them out. But the first one, if you miss that one, boy, you're not playing by the rules. See, a Christian's heart is supposed to be full of love. I don't know what we make it. It's not a political party, you understand. It's not a political affiliation. It's, it's not... The deeds that we do. How shall a Christian, how shall we be known, the Bible says? By our love for one another. That's what sets the Christian apart. Now I've heard, I don't remember who said it, but they said faith is the currency of heaven. I believe that. Because it says it's impossible to please God without faith. So faith would be the currency of heaven. But let me add on top of that, faith worketh by love. And so you can't even have faith if you don't have love. I was sitting in that chair right there this week, Kaylee, in the chair that you're sitting in. And I had some worship music on, and I had been praying, and I had been worshiping. And then I stopped, and I said, I felt like God wanted to talk about love this week, and so I began to meditate on love. And I'm going to share with you real quickly 10 meditations on love that downloaded into my spirit. And I wrote them down on my little notepad on my phone. And I'm going to share them with you. And they go like this. Number one, love is the very substance of a born-again spirit. That's what changed in you. Remember I said the love of God was shed abroad in our heart when we got saved? Your spirit was dead. 
It was dark. You were dead in your sins and trespasses before Christ came into your life. You were on your way to hell. There was no connection with life and love, with light. God is described as love. He's described as light. And when the light of Christ came into your life, the love of Christ came into your life, it changed you. It, it, your light came on. And now you were adopted into the family of God. And love began to rule and reign, or at least it should have, in your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, love is for me. <laughs> Number two, love emboldens us to run and empowers us to win. It's better than having Rocky Balboa in your corner. To know that Jesus, when we see him high and lifted up, we see his arms spread open and know that it was for us to welcome us in. That he became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we see the love that Jesus displayed on that cross, man, it emboldens us. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in our mortal bodies. And it empowers us to win. I'm talking about the love of God. It's the most powerful force in the world. Number three, God's language is love. That's what he speaks. There's no coarse jesting coming out of God's mouth. There's no running anybody down. There's no gossip coming out of God's mouth. In fact, I don't even know if he understands our potty language sometimes. Well, we know he's all knowing. I'm not sure he, he knows what we're saying, but I'm not sure he understands. He's probably thinking, you mean I put all that in you and then you choose to live from that old dead man that you once were? God's language is love. Number four. Love trumps hate. Just as light overcomes darkness, love triumphs over hate. You know, hate can kill the body. But love can save the soul. See, this body's temporary. Hate may win for a moment. But love wins for eternity. Amen? Number five. It goes along with that. Love transcend, transcends this temporary and it touches the eternity within people's hearts. What do I mean? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I, I shared that scripture with you that says that God has put eternity in our hearts. We all know that this isn't it. We all know that when we die, that we, we don't just blank out and it's over. We all know that there, there's something more, that I'll be somewhere a million years from now. We feel this sense of eternity. And, and it's, the Bible says it's a fool that says in his heart there is no God. He's just fooling himself. Everybody knows that there is a God. You can look at the stars and the wonder of it just says, whew, there's got to be a God. Everything in all of creation is screaming that God is good. And so they may be trying to hide out because maybe they love to be over in their darkness and over in their sin, but they, they don't want to come into the light for fear that their sins may be exposed, the Bible says. So they may be wanting to hide out. But when you show them love, when you go to that guy that's in, that's in 
deepest, darkest sin living in under a bridge somewhere that wants nothing to do. And you bring him some food. You show him some love. You show him respect and dignity. You bring into his life some kind of love. It touches that deep part, that, that eternity that God has put in their heart. That's why you can't, we can't just witness out of habit because you know, pastor told me to, or I'm trying to carve notches on my belt. If there's no love in it, it's not working. Amen. People know if there's love in it. Love transcends the here and now into the eternity that is God has placed in the heart. And that's what He, he gives us to use. Use your love to touch that secret place. Sometimes we want to just, I remember when I got saved, I wanted to go hammer everybody with the gospel real quick. I, I was just doing it because I, I was trying to be a good Christian. But I wasn't loving the folks. And I was driving more people away than I was helping. Now, even though I was telling them the right scriptures. You got to get into, into that place. that's going to touch them. They got to know that there's some love in there. Number six, love covers. I think we most most everybody in here can say, "Thank you, Lord." Where would we be if God spilled the beans on all our stuff? <laughs> Where would we be? But the blood of Jesus washes away. He forgives our sins and He casts them into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. And that's what love does. And you've got people that's hurt you and you're still holding on. How crazy is that? When you've been forgiven of all that you've done and God's covering your sins. Number seven, love sustains. You know, I've never been much of a runner I used to time my 40-yard dash with a calendar. I said that joke a hundred times, and they still laugh. But it's still true. It'd take me about a month and a half to get to that sound booth from here if I took off running. <laughs> I used to run down the first baseline. My legs would be going such direction, I'd be knocking the pitcher off the mound with this and hit somebody in the dugout with this one, you know. <laughs> They done pitched to two more batters where I got to first base. I'm slow, I'm telling you. <laughs> where was I at before I interrupted myself? Love sustains. But I do know I have run distances. And I have run from cops and stuff. You know, but, <laughs> but there's always a time when them blue lights are chasing you and you're tempted to give up. And you need that second wind. And love is that second wind. Love will help sustain you. There was a guy named James Abbey lived in the 1500s. And this was a time of the Reformation when the Catholic Church had gotten cattywampus and, and started making up their own rules that had nothing to do with the Bible. And they were persecuting and killing people and putting them to death. And it was, it was a messed up time in Christianity. That wasn't real Christianity at all. Don't blame that on God. Well, this James Abbey, he began to preach. You know, they finally started pre printing the Bible in the language that the people could understand instead of keeping it hidden and written in Latin or something that nobody even understood but the priest. 
But he got a hold of what the scripture said, that we're saved by grace, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That it's love that saves us, it's not our good works. And he began to preach that. And the church was looking for him. And so he was having to run from city to city to hide. But they finally caught him. And one of the bishops uh, of the church brought him in as a, for an inquisition, so to speak. And they told him, if you continue to preach that, we're going to kill you. We're going to burn you at the stake. But if you will renounce this new faith of yours, if you will recant, we'll let you go free right now. Well, James Abbey was just a, a regular person like me and you. I don't know how many of you, you know, what you like to do on a Saturday, but it ain't going to be burnt at the stake. And so life, pers uh, preservation, what does he call it? Pre 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 something. Preservation. preservation, thank you. It kicks in. What, how many of you know what you would do in a time of trial? And finally, James Abbey says, okay, okay. He's th maybe he's thinking to himself, I'll get out of here and I'll keep preaching, but at least I'll be free. You know, I'll keep running. And then I, how, can I, how can I preach the gospel if I'm dead? You know, we begin to justify. So he says, I, I, I reject this new faith of mine. I'll, I'll do whatever you guys want. So he goes to walk out of the building. And that cocky bishop takes a bag full of silver and throws it at his feet and says, here, take that with you. And he picks up the money. And he walks out. As soon as he gets out of this so-called church, I don't know what went through his mind, but it's a true story. He looked at that bag of money. I, I think maybe he thought of Judas and what he had done. He just said, I can't do this. The love of God constrains me. And he turned around and he went back into that church. And he went back up to that bishop and threw it back at his feet and says, I take it back. I cannot deny my Lord Jesus Christ. They begin to work on him again. You know, if you do this, we're going to burn you at the stake. He says, do what you may, but I cannot deny my Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1555, James Abbey was burned at the stake for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the love of God had sustained him. The love of God sustained. The, he would tell you today that the love of God was more than enough to endure the burning at the stake. It was more than enough. The love of God will sustain you. You remember there was Peter and Judas both denied Christ on that fateful day when the soldiers came to get him. But what was the difference? Judas, he didn't understand love. It was all in his head. He was playing church. He was going through the motions. He was trying to see if this Jesus guy was real. But Peter really loved Jesus. Both of them wept bitterly. Judas went back and threw his money at the Pharisees. But he didn't understand love because he hadn't been dealing in it. He hadn't been walking in it close enough. And he went out and hanged himself. He didn't know the love that sustains. But Peter, something told him, 
Peter was messed up too. He's like, I'm going fishing, man. I don't know where I'm at or where I'm going, whatever. But I can't kill myself. I just feel like love gives hope to sustain you. And there was Jesus. And Jesus restored Peter. Made him the, the, the rock on which he'll build his church. Love sustains. Man, I'm preaching this more than I wanted to. Number eight. How can you not? You get an opportunity to talk about Jesus' love. How can you stop? <laughs> love never fails. Number eight. It can't be stopped by bullets. can't be stopped by bombs. can't be stopped by public opinion, intimidation, torture. Deepest darkness cannot snuff out the light of God's love. Love, it never fails. It never fails. Number nine, I already said this, faith works by love, right? What are the important things in this life? Faith, hope, love, peace, joy. Faith works by love. Peace is possible because love can be trusted. You can relax when you know Jesus is in charge. You can relax when you know what Jesus did for you. And the Bible says, if God sent his son to die for us, won't he freely give us everything else that we need? You can have a little peace in this life knowing that, that God is on the throne and you trust his love. Peace is possible because love can be trusted. Joy, joy is the product of a love in progress. Joy comes because you are loved and because you're giving out love. And it's more blessed to give than receive. Love gives. And joy is possible because we can live a life of love. Hope. Well, hope is here because love has paved the way. Because Jesus died on the cross to do what we couldn't do for ourselves. Relieve us of this sin debt and that cross is the only bridge between a sinful man and a holy God. And we can have hope that we know, that we know that if this building caved in right now, that I would go to heaven. Because love has paved the way. Look at your neighbor. Say, you sure are good looking. I hope you look the right way. <laughs> Tell them love is for me. And love is for you, brother. Brother. Number 10. Love binds God's people together in perfect unity. It, it brings us together. When I say we shall be known for our love for one another. Man, everybody wants to be where love is. And so love binds us together. It makes us want to do life together. There's a song by a group called House Fires that has a line that says, My heart is the wick, and your love is the flame, and I want to burn for your name. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God asks of us. Let's burn. He's saying, I want all you guys to burn together. I want you to burn so brightly and, and come together in such unity of the faith that you're like a city on a hill, a light that cannot be put out. 
like a lighthouse in this dark world where people run to that they can join in the love. And when you think about these things, how petty does it seem that we're in here bickering and backbiting and bringing strife even in the church? We got to understand that we're not mere humans anymore. We have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We're called to a greater life. We're called to so much more than we knew before. Our hearts should be growing exponentially. It's in there. Let it out. Let the love. Will you let love rule in your life? That's really the the question. Because when you say, Jesus, be Lord, you're letting love rule. Will you play by God's rules? He says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the life, the truth. Nobody comes to me except, nobody comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, I'm the rule, and I am love. Will you let love rule, or are you just going to make up your own rules? And I've never seen a time where people go to church like they do, but make up their own rules for life like they do at the same time. I don't think God ever intended for us to call ourselves Christians, but only do it on Sunday. I I don't see a provision for it in the Bible where we're supposed to have given everything. All that I am, blood-bought. I don't see a provision for, yeah, I'm a Christian. But you had to tell them that because they would never know. Matthew 7.22 speaks to those who want to have the fish bumper sticker but not play according to the rules. Jesus said on Judgment Day, on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in Your name. We cast out demons in Your name. We performed many miracles. So give us our crowns right now. They were hyped. They were telling Jesus all the stuff that they had done. And, and according to them, they had done a lot. But in verse 23 says, Jesus will reply, I never knew you. I am love, and you weren't acquainted with love. There was no connection. There was no love in those things that you did. You used my name. But you didn't understand the essence of who I am. You didn't understand who I am. You didn't bother to to do it with me. You just wanted to do it. He says, get away from me, you who break God's laws. Or he could say, get away from me, you who break God's rules. You didn't play by the rules. Can you imagine what it would be like on Judgment Day, the all-important day? And you get there expecting to be welcomed in only to find that you never knew Jesus? You just, well, my daddy was a pastor. I went to church my whole life. 
and you're naming off all these works. But he said, I never knew you. As long as I'm pastor, I am a, my job is to make sure that doesn't happen. It, my job is to make sure I tell you the truth. I don't want that to happen to anybody. I want you to be real with God. I want you to understand what happened that Christmas. Well, me and old Hal, we pulled up to Vern's tire shop that night, and I'll never forget it. It was, it was right at dark, and both of our faces were just covered in black soot from the or whatever it is on them tires, and all I could see was his big smile. I could see his smile in the truck. And I, I could tell he was he was excited as me. We're fixing to be rich. We're going to get to go skating anytime we want, whatever we was doing back in the day. And I remember what he said like it was yesterday. He was talking about burn, what he was implying. He said, there's a fool born every minute. And he sure was right. But the good news is, every fool can be born again. As quick as you can be born, you can be born again. You're one decision away from letting love rule, from grabbing hold of eternal victory in your life. Letting love have its way because that's a, he's not willing that you should be lost. He's not willing that you should run, run without the rules. He's not willing that you get there that day and hear something that surprises you. He wants you to know that you know. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, three things will last forever. I don't see your BMW in there anywhere. I don't see your big house. I don't see your promotion. I don't see your boat, your motorcycle, your golf clubs, your, your shoe collection, whatever, whatever you ladies do. I don't know. I don't. He says three things will last forever. Faith, because we're saved by grace through faith. Hope which that's what you have faith in, the one you hope on, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Love is the rule. That's what Christmas is about. We're celebrating the day love came into this earth. The day we got a reset from Adam's mistake of choosing the fruit of this life. He's given us a ch second chance. He's given us a chance to choose love here today. Say love is for me. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.